The Sports Career Podcast, episode 216. The three P's you need to pursue a career in sports broadcasting. Hello, Sports Achiever, and welcome back to another episode of the Sports Crib Podcast. I'm your host, Ed Bowers. As always, my goal each week is to provide you a special guest who's an expert in a particular field in the sports industry, especially if you have an interest in pursuing in sports broadcasting. I really do hope that this podcast supports you with regards to your sports career development, interests, and needs. Now, getting back to today's show, this week's special guest is Adriano Del Monte. Adriano is an international sports presenter and event host. He has worked with some of the top sports networks around the world, reporting and presenting sports such as at Sky Sports, Super Sports, Sony Sports. Currently, he's working with ESPN. During his career, he's covered major sporting events, including three Football World Cups, tennis grand slams, motorsports, and much more. Also, he has interviewed some of the biggest names in sports, such as Lionel Messi, Serena Williams, and many more as well. For that reason, it's such a pleasure to have Adriano as a special guest on the show. And that's when today's episode, Adriano will share his sports career journey and explain the three P's you need to pursue a career in sports broadcasting. Adriano, it's such a pleasure to have you on the podcast show. Please share to listeners your sports career journey. When did it all start? A pleasure to be with you, Ed. Thanks for having me. Look, I've been working actively at different levels in the sports broadcasting field for over a decade now. It's something which was, was an interest that was always ingrained into me. Finishing high school, going through university was something that, that was where I wanted to take my, my working career. And I guess the, the big move that I made to get the ball really rolling was about 10 years ago when I decided to, obviously from Australia, Italian background, but I decided to get over to the UK where I had been writing for a few publications uh, over the three years of my uni degree prior to that. And basically got over to the UK, was accepted in a few internship programs with a few notable networks like VSPN, Sky Sports, and also did some time with The Guardian as well. And really that was my first opportunity to well, leave the comforts of Australia, both from a comfort work perspective, but also and primarily from an individual perspective to really go out there, explore and, and grow as an individual in the field. So I was very fortunate to get a few months there under my belt off the back of the World Cup in South Africa in 2010, which is a great learning experience as well. Good fortune of being there as a, you know, as a 21-year-old kid. It was a it was daunting, but it was also quite rewarding. So that was what got the ball rolling. And, and from there, it's been a long, long story of perseverance, persistence, and a lot of patience. And that's they're, they're, they're the three Ps that often go very underrated when people look at what I do or what anyone does in this field and it's, wow, that looks great. It, it must be great to be able to pursue a passion and, and do that. But 
there is a lot of unrewarded hard work which goes on behind the scenes which not too many know about and it's it's a challenging journey it's a challenge i've always really enjoyed but it's a challenge which is a, is a daily challenge even still at this point now where you know 10 years on from really that big first move i've had the good fortune of saying that i've been able to live uh, for a part of my time in in the uk but then move on to various parts of the us miami and new york Spent a year in Doha in Qatar with BN Sports at their international headquarters there, which was a phenomenal experience and obviously back and forth between Australia in that time as well. And here I am now a couple of years into my time in Milan. So it's just funny how things have worked out over time, moving from journalism into radio and then into television, which is what I do now and where I've always wanted to take my talents and very fortunate now to live in Milan, work for multiple broadcasters in pretty much every big English language speaking market around the world, doing what I love, which is covering the game of football. Wow, what a great re- response. Look, I've got to decode this a little bit. Just going back to when you're in Australia, because at the end of the day, Australia is a killer sporting nation. What inspired you to come to the UK? Because I'm intrigued of that inspiration of you sort of taking the courage of coming to the UK. Yeah, it's a good question. Look, Australia for me, always my home, where I'm born, where I'm raised, and it's a, it's a wonderful place. And I've been asked this before. There is so much sport on offer there. Why why always the desire to move? I've always had the, the inspiration and, and desire to really take myself to the highest level possible in everything I do. It's just, and that's not for anyone else. It's for myself. I always like to challenge myself at the absolute pinnacle of whatever I can. My mentality has always been, well, if you reach for the stars and you fall a little short, well, it may be a lot further than you would have gone if you had set the bar lower. For all of Australia's beauty in that regard, the the media landscape, purely given the fact of small population size comparatively to the rest of the world, the, the fact that when we're talking international sport, that well, time zones don't really work. I learned very early on that I suppose the pinnacle of the industry, the, the, the peak of the industry, well, at least the achievable peak at that point of the industry was something that potentially I could strive for greater than. And I was very young in my career, but through having been fortunate enough to travel with with family in as a youngster growing up and just exposing myself a little more to to other parts of the world, there was just a sixth sense that perhaps there's more out there for me that I'm 20, I have nothing to lose, absolutely nothing to lose because my mentality has always been if my fallback option is Australia, well, that's not a bad fallback option. So I've leveraged off the beauty and, and, and what Australia offers in terms of its sport, its lifestyle and everything that comes with it to pursue things that otherwise maybe I wouldn't have. And I'm always very open with people when I do share my story and do share where the inspiration has come from in the fact that, yes, my base, my fallback is very safe. And I, I know that a number of people around the world don't have that same good fortune. So I've always been very grateful for that. Additionally, as well, the support of family and friends and those in Australia to to help me pursue things at that level. So it took me to a point where there was interest in from others around the world to allow me to pursue what I wanted to, and it just made sense. The gut instinct was pursue this. It could take you to 
what's next. And, and the what's next has, has always been what I've been chasing and that's what keeps me going and what keeps me motivated on this journey. That's the big question, that what next. Just really quick, now I want to talk about mediums because I've had other broadcasters and there's actually a a theory or a theme, I should say, where they go into writing, go into radio and then television. Could I decode this now? Because why writing? Why not go straight to TV? Or is writing that first stepping stone like just a rule of thumb? I'm just intrigued because honestly, there's a theme with every broadcaster. They've all gone that route. I think it's more a case of working your way through the industry. Now, I, I love writing, really do love writing. But as I'm sure you can imagine, in this day and age, well, particularly 10 years on from when I was starting out, it is very difficult to gain employment purely as a writer. We live in this digital media age now where you really need to be a jack of all trades. Also, for television, you cannot just be someone who turns up to a network, presents a bulletin or does an interview and then goes home. You need to know how to write, how to script, how to edit, how to do all of these things that previously maybe you could get away with. So I always felt that as a strength anyway, having enhancing my writing skills would hold me in better stead in the future. And so the writing was the easy way, particularly in Australia for me, to contribute to various publications abroad. We don't live in this tech- technological age now where we can do Zooms and we can, I, I do many television crosses from right in this position into networks all over the world through Zoom and Skype. Writing was my medium to be able to form relations with the ESPNs of this world and other publications that I did work to say, look, I'm capable of doing this. My long-term goal is to work in television, but I was always, I suppose, a little savvy in terms of, well, how best do I put the plans in place to give myself the best chance of, well, effectively achieving what my goal was. So I think the fact that many similar people would follow that path is purely, it's the, it was the easier way to get your foot into an industry irrespective of the ultimate goal. And just for any writers out there who want to take the jump into radio, what inspired you to get on the mic? Mm. Well, on air was the element that I was most interested in. Television was always the, the, the medium that I wanted to combine my passion with. And again, as a great learning tool and as a great stepping stone, radio was going to be that best opportunity. And taking it back to Australia, there was the gap in the industry, which which I did see, where I felt that despite being inexperienced relatively still in the industry, there was that gap where I thought, okay, I can marry my my knowledge with my writing work and maybe transform this into a radio opportunity. So I networked with the right people, pursued the right opportunities and floated the right ideas at the right time to then get that chance. And I've always felt for anyone particularly who would like to work in television, My time in radio, particularly at any time in my career, I still do a little bit, but at any time in my career has probably been the best for my television because radio is a medium where it's storytelling. You only have your voice. You do not have appearance. You do not have gestures. You have nothing but your voice. And it really puts the pressure on you to strengthen that side of your delivery and and storytelling Delivery in terms of short, sharp, and and effective delivery is critical 
on television, but you learn that best in radio, I feel. My goodness, I hope the listeners are taking note. So now I'm getting to that final stage. Now you're on the on the television with that dream job and put it in brackets because I mm. don't think there's such a thing. It's that hustle. We're going to dig into those three Ps. But with regards to get on television, you've got what you wanted. How do you stay hungry in achieving mm. what you want? And could you just explain the fear factor? Because for me, I don't know how you do that job. I'll be honest, because <laughs> I've done a few uh, TV interviews and I'm like shaking like a leaf. So, <laughs> and there's the time element. So you only have a certain time slot. I'm trying to help the audience. It's not just, oh, I'm on television. You've got an hour to play with. It's like you only have 10 minutes to, or even shorter yeah. on that report. So I've said quite a lot there to hopefully paint the picture of when you were on that camera, what was the feeling mm. when you got to that point? but then you had to learn that sort of new skill set. Yeah, it's a, look, it's a really interesting side of the industry because the, the issue has always been, well, the, the challenge rather than the issue, the main challenge is always the fact that you can talk the talk for as long as you like, but when you do get that one opportunity to showcase your talents, you must walk. That, that is, you, you can have the self-conference, you can network with the right people, you can have the writing and radio background, but quite simply, it's a cutthroat industry. So you must deliver when that opportunity comes. It's something which, it, the difficulty has always been, it's something which you can only learn when you work. And it's not, it's not working in front of a camera is one thing. Working in front of a camera when you know you are live is a is a totally another thing altogether and it just comes with practice so it, it is a thing of which i'm continually working on continually challenging myself to be better and that in answer to the question of well, what motivates you to continue is is exactly that there i i am in full agreement. i don't ever believe that i don't believe in the philosophy of you've made it or you can relax with what you've done no because you can always get better you can always improve. You can always learn more. You can always grow. And that's what I love most about pursuing this career path because that translates into a lifestyle in the fact of I am always seeking to improve as a person, as a broadcaster, and as everything else that comes with it. It takes time with regards to the nerves and learning how to manage those emotions, but it's all part of that journey. And I've really enjoyed that because it's a, it's unlike anything else. I can't really compare the, the 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 feeling that it gets to to really better yourself and improve in this particular field. So, I've been very fortunate though that I have had faith shown in me by particularly people who well I had worked very hard with to to form strong relations with. And it's not just you know a flimsy email. Do you have a job for me? Let's move away from it. But people who I've really spent time in investing relations in who have I've used as my mentors, I suppose, over the journey to provide me the necessary feedback to help me better myself. And, and that's always my message to people who aspire to work in broadcast in whatever capacity. You cannot be afraid of that constructive criticism. And really, that's advice to anyone doing anything. You can only get better if you're willing to accept your weaknesses and grow. And that is something that I really do thrive on. I thrive on, I thrive on that sort of feedback because I know that someone who's been there and done that or will help me get better can help me get better if, if I wish to. And, and so that's basically what motivates me to do it. And I'm very fortunate to say that as a result of committing to that and not shying away from that constructive feedback and criticism over the years that 
as I said, now I am in a position where I work with six international broadcasters. I'm very fortunate to have host a number of international events, working with big, big names. And it's been a great thrill, but I also feel that it's just another step in my journey. And given the work that I've put in, I feel that I'm ready to be at that level now. And just on that point, I want to dig deep now really quick because you've done some big like interviews with like football players and stuff. Like when you are in that opportunity, does do you look back going, this hard work was worth it? Because sometimes, put as you said, we're going to dig deep in these three Ps, but with that patience particularly, when you did some with Messi, I think I saw you doing something with Messi, how did that feel when you were actually there? Because sometimes we forget about those small wins. So I just want you to dig deep of like, giving you a, back, a pat on the back, but also keeping that hunger at the same time. For sure. I can tell you it's the, the patience factor is the hardest one because there are times that you you assess where you're at, you're, you assess your skill set and, and your abilities and you, you know that you're capable of doing it, but the opportunity hasn't arrived yet. And it is tough. It, it is tough. In the moment when you're sitting down or standing beside a Lionel Messi and you're getting told in the ear, okay, you're a minute away from going live, be ready. You don't have time to think. You, you, you just subconsciously, uh, you know what your skills are, you know what your ability is. It's just another guy, let's roll with it. That's my attitude. I'm normally quite relaxed, quite easygoing, and, and I don't think too much. But I think you, you, you are right in saying that those little wins, they're crucial. And it's not about gloating to the world, but it's about being very proud within of the hard work and the, the tough times, most importantly, that you've come through to get to a point where you can look back on and then think, yes, I, I, I worked very, very hard and put up with a lot, which if I'd chosen another career path, I can tell you now, I wouldn't have had to put up with any of it, but you did. And this is the reward and this is why. And th- when you do get those little wins, it does really allow you to keep your emotions and and mentality in check when those difficult times arise again. I think across any field, we always encounter difficulties and tough times that you're never prepared for. And my mentality is always to be as best prepared for that next difficulty that is inevitably coming because everyone's going to endure various difficulties at various times of their life. And my my thought process is always just be best prepared to deal with whatever comes, whether it be good or bad. But certainly those small wins are very crucial just to maintaining that that overall positivity. But sometimes they take longer to come than you would like. So it is just about maintaining that belief and faith in the process that if you do persist and persevere, that the reward will ultimately come. I just want to add on to this. Out of interest, looking back 10 years ago, how have your communication skills developed? Like, yes, you've got to be have great communication skills in the job you do, but looking back, you know, how's it helped you with the networking side and creating new opportunities? I'm really intrigued with this because I've learned that through this podcast journey. My, my skill sets have grown, but you don't realize it till you reflect on it. So I'd love to touch on that point if that's okay. It's really interesting one because the the networking side is, again, for me, being the most important, it, this is the networking aspect. I have many young individuals in the industry, particularly from Australia. Again, the, the key to know with Australia is Australia is a long way away from the world and not only geographically, but also in terms of just being connected to the world. You, you don't have, well, I certainly never had the 
the contact of the contact who, well, I had worked with the mutual contact. Can you introduce? I never had that because who I was working with and for in Australia didn't have those contacts. And so it has really been the absolute key to opening any door that I've had. And I mentioned earlier, you can talk and talk and talk, but then when that opportunity finally comes, you must deliver. I did have one of those career-defining moments, I suppose, at a very, very young age. And that's really what set me on the path of staying and pursuing my career abroad. So the, the networking element is something which you do learn to improve in as you do more of it, obviously, like everything. But it is something which you just need to do. And I find that a lot of people are very apprehensive to reach out to that executive or that director or that manager because, well, what if they don't like what I say? Or what if they don't? And my my response to that is quite simply, sometimes I've sent out 100 notes and I'll get five responses if I'm lucky, sometimes less. But you can't control what someone else will do. You cannot control whether someone else will pursue the relationship that you're willing to pursue, but you can control what you do. And if you aren't being proactive to the fullest of your potential, then you are limiting whatever opportunity there potentially is. So that has been the shift in my mentality because while I can provide that advice now, I'm certain that if I go back to myself 10 to 12 years ago, those thoughts were going through my mind as well, no doubt, no doubt about that. So it is critical to build those relations, particularly when you don't have them previously, not just to, it's not this notion of needing to suck up to people to have these relations, not at all, but it's so that you can gain more insight and information into the industry to know how it works, how they make decisions, what they are looking for. And that now, I'm in a position where despite working on a, well, mainly contractor freelance basis for so many different broadcasters, I know how they operate. So I know now that if I would like to suggest this particular interview or this form of content, I know who is suited and what would be suited to which as a result of investing that time in others. And I, I think that's really crucial. Relations with others is, is, the, is the absolute key to, to many things we do. People ultimately want to work with people that they trust. People want to work with people that they know. And so building that rapport has been crucial. And I have stories for days of individuals who have helped me, who I met 10 to 12 years ago, who are helping me not only now, but those relations are really paying dividends now as a result of investing time into genuine, authentic relations over the last decade, which is something I am really proud of, given the fact that I have strong relations with people who I may not have worked with as much as I've liked, but certainly I've been able to to learn and grow as a result of them. This is how we got connected at the Athens Women's Football Summit two years ago. Like I wanted to share one quick story. I remember when I was in a podcast with Chavi on the, it was a beautiful, well, as you know, the venues are stunning. And then you came across, you were preparing like mad. You were like checking, making out the floors all right, make sure you're prepared as the host. And that's a key thing I want to talk into because preparation, I mean, like how do you prepare not just on camera, but any project, because you don't just turn up and do do your thing on, on the main stage. You're there the night before. Like I remember Mary Court Williamson, you two were like checking your slides, checking the mics, checking every detail. And it goes back to what you said about being in control of what you can control. So could you just touch deep in how you prepare any sort of broadcasting project, just to give people a sort of flavor of you don't just turn up and wing it, if that makes sense. 
I guess it's the other P, isn't it? Preparation. To be prepared, look, everyone has a different way of preparing. As I said, my my general way of doing things is, is quite relaxed. Now, I I am always prepared. Being prepared is 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 the key to to one's performance. It's it's on the sporting field, it's off the sporting field, it's in my industry, it's in anything. If you're prepared, you will deliver the max of your potential. And that's my belief all the time. My my key to to preparation when it comes to events or or it comes to live broadcasts or interviews is is reading and consuming information, not 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 by cramming, but by by naturally reading and consuming. So as an example, I was at a I was covering a big Champions League match last week here in Milan, into Milan and Real Madrid, two of the biggest clubs in the world, a very significant night. My general method for for planning and preparing for a game of this note, I'm working there for multiple broadcasters, all have different requirements. It's very difficult to to spend specific time, okay, what do I need to do for this and that and this and that? So my way of doing it is just by consuming as much information as I can, very freely, very relaxed in the days in the lead up to ensure that this is secondhand knowledge for me. This is just like you and I having a a very relaxed discussion now. This is how I prepare. And I've always felt that that relaxed approach, but very comprehensive approach broken out over over days or weeks if it's an event in the lead up is my way of doing it. I also feel that when you are there to perform, to host, to interview or whatever the case is, that relaxed nature and attitude comes through. And particularly if you are interviewing a a player who they do interviews all the time, they're bored of it. If you are providing a really comprehensive You've got the knowledge, but you are relaxed and you're showing them that you are relaxed. I think that always allows them to settle and think, okay, this is a bit more like a regular conversation as opposed to something that's very sit down and formal. So very basic techniques for me, but it's just that really relaxed approach, which I feel brings out the the most engaging me that I can, which ultimately enhances my performance. So just relating to the third P is perseverance. How do you tackle that word with regards to the career in sports broadcasting? This one, I mentioned patience is tough. This one is is the toughest because you you are challenged to a point where you you doubt everything because this is not this is not a field that I have pursued, which is a walk up, hand your CV and get a job, sit and interview, get a job. It has really been about reinventing the wheel and creating your own path. And that is the other thing. It's funny because it has been the most frustrating element, but it's also the other element that does motivate me to continue. The the perseverance factor is tough also because you, at times, very regularly feel isolated because it's all on you. Again, taking it back to my upbringing in Australia, I was always drawn to, I mentioned earlier that there were people that I'd met abroad who, who really drew me to, to making that move abroad. And it was purely down to, to the mentality. In Australia, when I was growing up, coming through the industry very young, I felt that it was very much a linear path. It was, if you do this, you will then do that, which will then lead you to A, B, C, one, two, three, and then you'll get the job. And that didn't, really motivate me. It didn't inspire me. I didn't feel that even if I was the best out of the other 
10,000 students doing that exact same path, that that was really what I was after. And it was, again, it wasn't until I really opened my eyes up through my travels and through spending that independent time abroad that I started to believe that if I persevered at to the, the path on the path that I really felt would be most beneficial, that ultimately I would be fulfilled. And so that's what I've always come back to when the perseverance factor has been challenged is that I've always believed deep down that it was possible but you just don't see the rewards as quickly as I would have perhaps in Australia where the path was already set out for you. Now, that's another challenge altogether in terms of creating your own path. That, that requires an entirely different podcast. But ultimately, if you do persevere to what you believe in is, is going to maximize your potential, which again for me has always been the, the, the goal, maximize my potential, not comparing to anyone else, but what I'm capable of achieving then ultimately my perseverance will remain intact. And despite being challenged day after day, year after year, it has remained intact to a point where, again, now I'm in a position with networks, with contacts, with the right people who see me as a result of taking on their feedback from over the journey as a suitable man to do various jobs for them. Well, you've done a grand job. And I think it comes back to what you said about sort of having that internal passion or internal motivation. Now, I want to just touch on, you said it very briefly that, you know, broadcasting isn't just a job, but it's a sort of a lifestyle. And really, I, I want to commend you on this story I'm going to share with regards to this year in COVID um, period, especially the first lockdown, you're based in Milan. And I just saw you just literally getting on the camera on social media. We'll talk about social media in a second, but literally just reporting what's going on and just doing a job as a reporter. You, sp- there was no sport. You could have just sat down and watched Netflix, like chilled out, but you had no, you felt you had a responsibility. So at this point, the question I'm going to come to, firstly, thank you, because I was watching your stuff. I'm like, this guy didn't just think, well, I have no job in sports at the moment because there is none. I'm still going to do the core values of what it is to be a reporter. So two questions. One, can you explain that sports broadcasting is a lifestyle? But two, you know, just because there's a sports bit like sports broadcaster, it doesn't stop you by just being a great reporter to, to, to create positive change or to have an influence to our global society. So a bit long, long winded there, but I admired that because some people just think, well, I'm a, I'm a writer, I'm a radio, I'm in radio broadcasting and that's it. You, you went that extra step. So share that story with that first lockdown and, and shared why you, you reported, but really you felt you didn't really have to, but I admire that through your leadership. I really appreciate that. Very kind of you. Look, it was, a, it was such an interesting time that my city of Milan was suddenly the epicentre of the world of this unknown virus. And the, the motivation immediately came out of the fact that, like you said, there was no sport. I don't need to be a one-trick pony, someone who just works in sport. So why not share the lessons learned here already with the rest of the world? I have, I have a platform to do that. I may as well do that because if I can help, helping people is what I love to do. Mentoring is, is, is a strong passion of mine, something that I do do on the side as well. So why not? So again, and as I mentioned earlier, having that strong, round, well-rounded base of, of media knowledge in terms of the, the written element, the radio element, you know, you don't have to just focus solely on your one industry for me, which is sport. The main motivation I did come out of the, the fact of my ties to Australia, and, and it was simply because I felt that 
most of the world was basically six to eight weeks behind exactly where we were. And when I started to see similarities of of what was happening in the UK a couple of weeks after Italy, the US a couple of weeks after the UK, Australia a couple of weeks, it just made sense that we were all experiencing the same thing. So it was immediately, it was a no-brainer at all that I wanted to try and document what was going on here. So if at all possible, I could influence someone or somewhere to, to not make the same mistakes that we did. And again, I really appreciate if that did make a difference to, to yourself or, or to anyone, if it helped in any capacity, because that was the motivation behind it. And and I guess when you when you convey and talk about the broadcasting, not necessarily sport, but being the lifestyle, well, well, that's what it is all about. It's it's about communicating, which is something that I love to do. As I said, I love to mentor, I love to talk, I love to meet new people, and if it can be done in a beneficial way when we're talking serious news, like what was happening very recently, well, just because serious news for me doesn't pay the bills, it doesn't necessarily mean that I need to shy away from from covering that. So I've always found that very strange when sometimes sports personalities or people in my industry do have a voice or a say on a political issue or or something else. And, And others are quick to say, well, perhaps stay in your lane, you're a sports person, but not necessarily. We not necessarily. Again, this may pay the bills, but there may be interests elsewhere. So I was certainly motivated to really send the messaging to my family and friends in Australia and and those there who, well, in the end were making the exact same errors that we had made here just six weeks prior. But fortunately they haven't suffered anywhere near what we've had over here at this point. So again, when we tie it all in together, the I suppose overall the lifestyle of this industry that it has provided for me. It has allowed me to travel the world, which has been a major passion. I love travel. I love meeting new people. It has allowed me to meet and work with so many new people. But the key has been the the challenge is what motivates me the most. And it's a little contradictory because it's also been the most frustrating element of it as well. But I am someone who, who, as I've said, likes to continually challenge myself, likes to continually improve and grow. And I've found that I've certainly found that while pursuing what many have suggested to me over time will perhaps tone down the ambition or tone down the the, the I suppose the, the career path just because it is tough and and most don't get through it most find a way find a way out but it's been something which has motivated me not to prove people wrong not at all I, I do it for myself but certainly they're just another challenge to add to what overall has been a challenging year but this has just been another year another chapter in the story and who knows what's to come my goodness i can't wait to re-listen to this myself and take notes and i hope the audience is enjoying this a lot really quickly you mentioned this word platform in this world now How's your sort of personal brand and platforms on social media had that other, you know, it's added another layer to being a sports broadcaster in general? Well, it's another one of those strengths. It's another one of those mediums. It's another one of those avenues to explore that, again, 10 years ago, as I said, you could just be a writer and that's it. You could just be a face on TV and that's it. Now, this is the digital avenue the digital medium is another one that you must be active in you don't need to have a platform with with tens of millions not at all 
but you do need to be active. You do need to be relevant. And the, the relevance is, is the most important factor because if, it, if someone's listening to this who I suppose is aspiring to work in the industry and is sending out a few showreels or a few CVs or sending a few emails to touch base with people, if that network or that company are interested in you, the first thing these people will do is look you up and they will look you up on the social channels. If we're talking the journalism world, of course, Twitter is the main game, no doubt about that. And if you are active, if you are relevant, if you are writing or shooting some visuals of yourself, it's always going to help immediately. So even before you get in the industry, it is still important to have a presence, some relevance. Being in the industry, it is equally, if not more important, obviously, but to maintain that connection, to keep that rapport alive with your audience. And, and I suppose working across so many different countries at this point in my career, it has been a really nice way to be able to, to share work I'm doing and, and what comes with that with various parts of the world and maintain a, a different level of, of connection and, and relationship with with fans and with people who, who are tuning in that otherwise would have been impossible. So overall, really, really important. And, you know, you yourself are proof in that and the fact that if you're, if you persist in what you, what you're passionate about and you can do it, there are mediums to do it. And it is the absolute key. And, and what comes from there, you don't know, you, you don't know. But if you weren't doing this at this point in time and you were just saying, well, I'd like to do this, but I'm not, well, there's a lot less significance behind it. So ideas are one thing you do need to put them into place and, and digital, me digital media and all of these social platforms provide everyone with an opportunity to do exactly that. Like you said, it goes back to the walk the walk, you know. Um, That's right. Everybody's got these platforms. May I ask, which platforms do you use on a regular basis so people can just model this? Because mm. sometimes when you say social media, do I do it more on LinkedIn? Do I do it more on Instagram, Facebook? Sometimes <laughs> it could be just a mind map. So which yeah. ones do you use consistently where it doesn't feel like work, but as you said, you're just, you're just showing up on that platform just to keep things engaged? Well, you know, of course, they are all different. And that's the, the complicated factor of it all. They all have different means. But look, Twitter for me certainly is, is the platform where, where I'm able to maintain the, the most relevance and it isn't an effort at all. If if I need, if there is news breaking or or there's something happening, Twitter is the platform for me for sure. Additionally, though, you do need to remain relevant everywhere. And again, it's irrespective of follower count numbers, this and that. It's not the key. It's just important to maintain relevance. So, LinkedIn professionally is a great tool, and LinkedIn is is a great tool which I would encourage anyone who is aspiring to work in the industry to certainly be active on. And it's not about posting regularly, but it is about just keeping an eye on what others are doing, keeping an eye on what networks or what companies you aspire to work with are doing. So I'll certainly always post something on LinkedIn, most likely every month or two, just to, just to keep that relevance there. But I'm certainly always connecting and engaging with people who are sharing their work and what they're up to as well. And of course, Instagram and Facebook, equally as important, but probably not as significant for me more so than Twitter, which certainly on a daily basis does get me working very busy on. Absolutely. Look, I hope the people are enjoying this. Now, 
just wrapping up a little bit, what have you enjoyed the most from your sports career journey looking back 10 years ago? I, I suppose what I've enjoyed the most are some of the things that have kept me going. And it's it's the, again, everyone loves to travel, but the fact I've been able to do that and work has been a blessing. And it's something that's, look, that's something which in the moment, even now in the moment, will I be in Milan forever? Probably not. Australia will probably be the forever at some point. But it's something which I will, I'm already aware that I'll be able to look back on with fond memories and be very grateful and thankful for that I was able to do. So that's particularly given the year that 2020 has been limiting travel and movement, I'm forever grateful for. And as I said, working and meeting with so many different people, but most importantly from so many different walks of life is the thing that I love above all. It's 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 people which which I love. It's people which I love meeting, and and that that is I've got friends from all over the world, and that's again that's that's for myself. But I know that I can go to most cities that I've been to previously in the world, and know that at the very least I could catch up with someone for a coffee and and say hello. So very thankful for that. But obviously from the work specifically, I'm again for myself within just very proud of the well the roadmap that I made up as a very young naive 20 year old and the fact that we are sort of well and truly down that track now it it is a it is a rewarding feeling to know that I did take a punt on myself and there were many people who out of the goodness of their heart not from a bad place but suggesting perhaps not to not to do that but I did, and despite the difficulties that have emerged along the journey, that, well, I am in a position now where I do have stability, I am comfortable, and I am in a position where now I can potentially grow to that next level, which, again, I don't even know what that is, but that's, the, that's sort of where we're at, at the moment. And it's just, it's just a journey which I'm constantly challenging myself and always thankful to, to be on. But I always make sure that I say, None of this for me would have been possible did I not have the support and the support network that I have being family back home in Australia, which is always the, the, the silver lining here because I, I can achieve whatever I can, but none of this would have been possible if I didn't have those fallback options that we touched on a little bit earlier. So I always like to add that disclaimer to, <laughs> to anything that, that, that I share. Absolutely. Look, I, I've really enjoyed this chat, Andriana. Literally, I've learned a lot as well myself. And normally I like to finish with an inspirational question. But what I like to do this time, because they're so powerful, could you just do a recap of the three P's which a student or a person can apply literally after listening to this and put it into action? So can you just go through those three P's of how people can apply to their sports career journey now to create their roadmap? Yeah, no, no doubt. Again, it's been the absolute key for me over the journey to always reflect back on. And again, persistence, perseverance, and patience. When we talk about persistence, again, if you are in a position to, again, make up your roadmap, you will tweak it, you will learn, you'll amend it over the journey for sure. But if you set something, just something out and persist to that, you will get further than you will without it. That is a, that's a guarantee that we can assure you of. Again, then the challenge is just to persevere at that. And that's when those self-doubts do start to creep in, which, again, inevitably, they always will. And it's to persevere, to take on board the constructive criticism and feedback that comes in, not just take it on board, but welcome it and really learn and grow from it. And then 
when you know everything is going in the right direction still, but there are still setbacks, there are still knockbacks and things out of your control, that's when the patience factor needs to come in. And again, they're all equally as frustrating as the, as each other, but that patience factor ultimately is the key because when you've persisted and persevered for so long that you know you're almost there, you just need to remain active, relevant as we discussed on the platforms you can and know that ultimately if you maintain the level of patience, the rewards will come. And the rewards will come when you are working on, as we've touched on, the networking side, learning more about the space that you are working in, which I suppose comes in the perseverance space where you really want to absorb the knowledge and information required. If you persist, persevere, and are patient with it all, ultimately you'll reap the rewards. Amazing. I hope those people have enjoyed those three Ps again. Out of interest, how can people interact with you on social media now? You can connect with me anywhere. As I said, LinkedIn for me, I oh, still to this day, a number of people in, in the space, particularly younger people coming through, often reach out, connect with me on LinkedIn. And, and I, I do have quite a few individuals that I mentor who are coming through in the space right around the world. And the beauty of it is that many of them have seen me work into their respective countries. So at the moment, I've got a couple of younger students in India who see me do some work that I do in India, a couple in Africa. I work on a network in South Africa. So any corner of the globe, it's been really, it's been really rewarding that some of the work that I do into well, countries, which let's be honest, otherwise I wouldn't have worked into, have now resulted in this. So LinkedIn, definitely from a professional medium there. And just to stay up to date on all the on the ground football news and stories and matches that I'm at covering and events, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter there, the handles at Adrian Del Monte, but it's very easy to do. And, and as I said, just, I think if everyone can maintain some level of relevance in their respective field on those platforms, again, you're, you're a step ahead already of where you would have been at otherwise. That is awesome. To all the listeners listening, all those social media links will be on my website related to this blog post. Andriano, it's been such a pleasure chatting with you today. Thank you very much. Thank you, Ed, and you keep up the great work as well. Wow, what an unbelievable podcast chat with Andriano. For me, that was like a masterclass of what it really takes to pursue a career in sports broadcasting. And without a doubt, if you want to work in sports broadcasting, I would take a break, get a cup of tea and then come back and re-listen to this because Adriano just literally lays out a, a real game plan of what it really takes. And I hope you now got a better understanding of the three Ps of pursuing a career in sports broadcasting, but really it can be applied in pursuing any sector of the sports industry by having that preparation being patient with your opportunities and then being persistent in what you want to achieve within your career journey. But it was all the little sub stories that I enjoyed the most from this podcast chat. For example, the biggest one is when Adriano was sharing his knowledge about COVID-19 and sharing it to the world of what's happening in Italy with regards to sharing his knowledge to other nations who weren't at the same stage at the time as Italy with regards to the virus. So for me, it just shows that leadership skills. It shows that he's not just in sports broadcasting and that's his job. He looks at it as his lifestyle. And for me, I think that's so important um, if you want to work in broadcasting, but in anything really, just to have the ability to use your platform to educate others is so powerful in this day and age. 
But most of all, I really do hope you've got a better understanding as the lifestyle of being a sports broadcaster and understanding those miniature steps in regards to how he worked on television. So I'm just going to recap. He started with written, then he got onto radio, which then led him to TV. Understanding that route, hopefully it can provide you a stepping stone in regards to what area of sports broadcasting you want to specialise in, but also how writing is such a great way to start, like getting involved in blogs, really showcasing your skills with your own personal brand by writing content is a great way to start a career in sports broadcasting. And it's really up to you. So I really do hope you've enjoyed this podcast. I would love to hear your feedback. What was your biggest takeaway? Let me know on Twitter at edbowers101 and let me know there. Please tag me. I'm really intrigued. For me, there was so much in this podcast that I'll have to re-listen to this as well to take notes with regards to how Adriano's learning of his career journey, which can apply to mine. This is what learning is all about. And lastly, if you've enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe. Please leave a review and leave a rating. I'll be really grateful. Now put those career tips into practice with those three Ps and make it happen today and do it. Now, as always, at the end of each podcast episode, I'd like to finish with an inspirational quote from my guest speaker. Adriano said, preparation is the key to one's performance. When you are prepared, you will deliver to the max of your potential.